I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Well, good evening. Good evening. Uh, good to see everyone this evening. And, uh, what a great crowd. So, <laughs> thank you all for coming. We might want to close that back door because they're going to be pinging and panging in the, the gym there playing pickleball tonight. And so, I'll try to keep that door closed. But uh, good to see you tonight. Uh, tonight we are starting our study on angels, God's special agents. And uh, so we're, we're going to get into that in a minute. But before we get started in our study, let me start us up by going to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this evening and this time to come and study your word together. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, be with us now and open us up to us your word, Lord, as we study about your angels and uh, tonight we're looking at their, their very nature of what they're like and so Lord just pray that you would uh, reveal to us what you want us to know about angels and uh, so Lord guide us tonight and uh, let us draw close to you and your word. Now these things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well if you have your Bibles you can open them up. Uh, I'm going to be all over the place tonight. Uh, if you if you got your hand out there, hope you got a hand out if you came in. Anybody, everybody got a hand out? All right. Uh, you you see where it says various scriptures, and so we're going to be all over the place uh, tonight, and just looking at different ones. You're probably not going to be able to look up everything. Uh, so as I'm going through scriptures, you might just want to write those down. Uh, by the notes, uh, where we are in the notes, and uh, you can look at them later. But uh, we are looking at angels and starting this study, and this kind of, in some ways, corresponds with our study on heaven and hell. You need a pen? Yeah. Yeah, I should have set some pens out. Why don't you set those on that back there? Anybody else need a pen? Everybody's good, bro. Well, set them on that table out there, so they'll just be there. Is that so, huh? Is that, did you already hand out something last week? We missed it last week. Last week was just the introduction, okay. and so we just intro material, okay. and I didn't want to get into it because I forgot to announce how we were starting to meet. So uh, tonight is the main first main session. So this is where we we need to pick up. So all right, well. As I, we kind of talked about last week, for those who were here, uh, there are many who have a great, great fascination with angels. And so we, we see them in home decor, right? You see, have little figurines with angels, and you see uh, there's pictures with angels on the pictures. Of course, Christmas time, we're all about angels, and angels everywhere, uh, hanging off of everything. Uh, you even have them in, in your vehicles, and so you've seen these little visor clips, uh, the guardian angel with the scripture verse on it and hanging from the, the rear view mirror. So a lot of people have a lot of fascination with angels. But, uh, you know, to be honest, we have a, a misunderstanding about angels, right? Because when we think about angels, we, we think about this kind of thing because this is what's 
portrayed in, in most art. So you got a, a lady with wings and watching over children. Or, or you got little baby angels who are floating around there. Little, little cupids, you know, that sort of, sort of thing. And so angels are, are very kind of dainty figures in most art. Uh, but that is not the way Scripture portrays angels, is it? No, no. Angels are not little dainty beings. They're not this kind of feminine type being who are kind of weak and they just kind of float around on clouds and, and that sort of thing. No, angels are portrayed as warriors of the Lord. Right? They're mighty, mighty creatures. In fact, you, you go back to Genesis chapter 3, and there we have our first picture of an angel. And after the fall of mankind, God sends a cherubim with a sword to guard the tree of life. And so here's an angel with a sword standing guard. Uh, another picture of angels that we get is in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah here is telling us of his vision of the Lord when the Lord called him into the ministry. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And so here are these massive creatures circling the throne of God, worshiping the Lord. One, you know, they have these six wings and they cover different portions of them, but they're there to cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then in Ezekiel, you get another picture of some of these heavenly hosts. In Ezekiel chapter 1, uh, Ezekiel here again he's telling of, of his first vision of the Lord as the Lord comes to him <clears throat> and here he sees the heavens open up and these four living creatures in Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 5 he sees these four living creatures who are coming down and, and they're bringing the glory of the Lord with them but here listen to how he describes their appearance and this was their appearance they had a human likeness, but each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like varnished or burnished bronze. Under their wings on their four, on their four sides, they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another, and each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side, and the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. Each were their faces, and their wings were spread out above, each creative each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies, and each went straight forward 
Wherever the Spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. Next week, we're going to come back to that text of Scripture, but you see here, uh, not a dainty little creature, right? Uh, and then again, we get another picture of them in Revelation. Revelation chapter 4, here he, he explains the four living creatures. John having this vision of the throne room of God. And he describes the four living creatures as such, each of them with six wings. This is Revelation 4, verse 8. The four, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Actually, I started a little, little late there. Uh, Go back up there. If, you, if you're there, you can go back up to verse 6. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. And the third living creature, with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight. And, and then they had, of course, six wings and full of eyes all around. So a slightly different explanation, a slightly different description, but uh, there's some similarities there as well. But these are all angelic beings. They're angelic figures. Not what we have dangling from our car <laughs> rearview mirror. Not what we have hanging up on the Christmas tree, but very different, mighty warriors of the Lord. Now, this week... Uh, we're going to look at the angels, and tonight our primary question is, what are angels? What are angels? And so tonight we're just looking strictly at, at their nature. Their nature. What are they like? Right? What's, what's their nature like? Because, uh, again, I think we've had some misunderstandings, some misconception about what angels are like. And then next week we'll get into what they do. And so that's going to be, uh, I think, a, that's even a better study as, to, as we look at what they do. But tonight we, we're focusing in on what they are. And so tonight we're going to see six characteristics of angels. Six characteristics of angels. <clears throat> and just to give you kind of a, a definition, uh, one sentence definition. Angels are, create, are created spiritual beings with moral judgment, high intelligence, and great power who glorify God and accomplish His will. So that definition gives you kind of their nature and what they do. But angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgment, high intelligence, and, top, intelligence and great power who glorify God and accomplish His will. So we're going to break that definition down a little bit as we look at these characteristics of angels tonight. Now, just a, a little freebie here. When you think about the, the word angel, the English word, of course that English word is derived from the Greek word, but the, the, there's also a Hebrew word for that as well. And so both the Hebrew and the Greek word for angel simply mean messenger. That's what it means. It means messenger. And so if you read through Scripture, and especially if, you, if you're doing the original languages, uh, then, then you're going to see that sometimes uh, people are even called 
angels of the Lord. Uh, and uh, even Jesus is identified uh, once or twice as, an, as God's angel, as his messenger. But by and far, there, Scripture talks about the messengers of God who are these angelic beings. They're not human beings. They're not, of course, Jesus Christ, but they are these uh, angelic beings that are different from us. And so that's kind of that word angel has come to be kind of a, a general term for this, these heavenly beings, these heavenly hosts. And so that's why we, we're talking about angels tonight. So that, that's free. I won't charge you for that one. All right. It's free information. So what are angels? What are angels? First, angels are created beings. Angels are created beings. And if you have a question anytime throughout any of this, this is not a sermon. I'm not preaching. And so uh, if you have a question at any time, just raise your hand or get my attention somehow, and I will I'll try to answer your question. So angels, first of all, are created beings, right? They're created beings. They're not eternal beings, but they were indeed created. Psalm 148 verses 1 through 2, Psalm 148, verses 1 through 2, says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from heaven. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. And then it goes on down, and in verse 5 it says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. So God commanded, and the heavenly hosts, the angels were created. So they are created beings. Angels, like us, are created beings. Uh, not divine. There's, there's, they're not gods, but they are created beings. Therefore, they are not to be worshipped. And a lot of people kind of get to that point where they, they almost delve into angel worship. They get so obsessed with angels that they almost delve into angel worship. And uh, Scripture even warns against worshiping angels. New Testament, I think that's First Timothy. Uh, Paul warns about those who get into worshiping angels. So we have to be very careful about that. They are created beings not to be worshipped. In fact, Revelation 19.10, John caught up in the moment because he is, uh, you know, he's coming to the presence of this great and mighty powerful being. He's caught up in the moment and he falls down before this angel and begins to worship. Then I fell down, this is Revelation 19.10, then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So uh, as the angel was, as John caught up in the moment, fell down to worship this angel, the angel said, don't, no, 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 don't do that. Do not do that. I'm a created being just like you are. I'm a servant of the Lord just like you are. You don't worship me, you worship God alone. So angels are created beings. So don't let fascination with angels turn into idolatry. Angels are created beings. Second, angels are 
of course, supernatural beings. They are supernatural beings. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are they not all, talking about angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? These are ministering spirits. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 24, verse 39, after the resurrection, talking to his disciples, he says, see my hands and my feet. That is, I myself, uh, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And so they are spiritual beings, which means they don't have physical bodies. They don't have physical bodies. Now, there are times in Scripture that they take on a physical manifestation. They take on a physical form. That's, they do that when, when necessary, when whatever their mission from the Lord uh, requires them to do, and it requires them to take on a human form. They can't take on a human form, but they themselves are spiritual beings. And so they, they themselves don't have a physical body. When we talk about God, uh, God is spirit. He is the invisible God because he is a spirit. And angels, like God in that sense, they are spiritual beings. So they don't have a physical body. Yet they can take on a physical form when necessary. And we see this throughout scripture. But just some examples in, in Daniel chapter 9, as Daniel is uh, praying to the Lord and getting these visions, God sends him the angel Gabriel. And the angel Gabriel appears to him, and Daniel describes him as a, uh, uh, an angel in human form. He, he looks like a man. And so he takes on this human form. Uh, Luke chapter 1, here again, Gabriel, he, he is the, apparently the... the Head messenger angel because he's the one that we see throughout scripture coming and telling people things from the Lord but here again Luke chapter 1 Gabriel appears to Zechariah in the temple and then Mary out in the field somewhere uh, appears to them to tell them first Zechariah to tell Zechariah about the coming of John the Baptist who's going to be born to Zechariah and, and Anna his wife and then to Mary saying that hey you're, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah and uh, how how am I, how's that going to happen? I've known no man. Well, it, because the Spirit of the Lord is going to be upon you, and you will conceive and, and give birth to the Messiah. So we see this messenger of the Lord coming to Zechariah first, and then Mary to deliver this wonderful, wonderful news, and he takes on this human form. Uh, again, and then uh, Luke chapter 2, we see a multitude of angels appearing before the shepherds, giving praise to God. So there again, they take on uh, a physical form, but they themselves are spiritual beings, and so they can appear and disappear just like that. Uh, the spiritual beings, they ultimately do not have themselves a physical body. Uh, furthermore, being a spiritual being, they do not marry or procreate. They do not marry or procreate. Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, Jesus indicates this, for in the resurrection, they, talking about the angels, or no, excuse me, that's he talking about us there, we uh, neither marry 
nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. We're going to, in that sense, we're going to become like angels in that we won't marry and we won't be given in marriage and, and all that kind of stuff. And that indicates that the angels, they don't do that. They don't marry. They're not given in marriage. They don't have those kinds of relationships. Therefore, we can kind of determine that they don't procreate. Uh, and so uh, they, they don't reproduce. God created all the angels he was going to create when he created them. And that's it. That's it. There's no more. And so they are spiritual beings. So angels are spiritual beings, which means they are their nature is different than our nature, which means, again, or here we say, uh, we don't become angels, right? They are a different kind of, they have a different nature from us. Therefore, we don't become angels. And here, again, is one of those misconceptions that people sometimes have. You heard somebody say about a, a departed loved one, now, now they're my guardian angel. No. Now, at the moment, I'm not going to correct them on that, right? But, uh, but that's just not the way it works because angels have a completely different nature. So a loved one goes to heaven, goes to uh, be with the Lord, but they don't become angels. We don't become some nature that we're not. So we don't become angels. Humans don't become angels. But angels are different in uh, that they are spiritual beings. We are physical and spiritual beings. We have both natures. We have a physical nature and we have a spiritual nature. When we die, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. And, but at the resurrection, our spirit and our body will be reunited and will be whole again. We're not created to be a spiritual being without a body. Uh, for a temporary time, we'll, we'll be that way. But when Christ makes everything right, then our spirit will be reunited with our new body, our perfect body. So uh, we're, we're spiritual and physical, where angels are simply spiritual beings. Any questions about either of these first two? No? Okay. All right. So they're spiritual beings. Third, angels are moral beings. Angels are moral beings. Wayne Grudem says in his systematic theology that angels exercise moral judgment is seen in the fact that some of them sinned and fell from their position. Uh, we know that some angels, and we're going to talk about the two kinds of angels, right? Right now our focus is on the good angels. And so we're going to talk about those who continue to serve the Lord uh, and carry out his will perfectly. But there were those angels who they made a moral choice and they decided that they weren't going to serve God uh, and submit to his authority. They were going to try to upset his apple cart. And so Satan and all of his uh, minions, they fell away. And we'll talk about that when we get to, to demons. But uh, they are moral beings. They they have the ability to make decisions. Second Peter chapter two verse four. Second Peter chapter two verse four. 
God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. So they sinned against God. They made a moral judgment and they had a moral failure and they will be judged for that. Uh, angels, uh, what, is, what does this mean for us? I mean, how, how do we think about that then? Well, angels are not like robots, right? They're not like robots. They don't just do what they're programmed to do. They are moral beings who have the ability to make moral judgments. Some have even sinned and fallen away from God. But unlike us, and this is the sad part for angels, unlike us, God has not provided fallen angels with path for redemption. And so uh, they, that's why the angels in heaven rejoice when sinners, human sinners, come to faith in, in Christ and, and receive the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Uh, for them, there is no redemption. For them, there is no redemption. For those who chose to reject God and, and turn away from him, there is no redemption. There is only eternal judgment. So angels are moral beings who make moral judgments. They're not just uh, robots who does everything like God tells them to do. Right? They, they have intelligence and uh, they can make moral decisions. Which brings us to number four. Angels are highly intelligent beings. They are highly intelligent beings. Uh, they are highly intelligent. Think about angels. They're, they're no dummies. They're not dummies, not, not at all. They are highly, highly intelligent. They can communicate, of course. We see them talking to human beings and in multiple different languages even. When you think about Scripture and when Scripture was written and how it was written, he was talking in, they were talking uh, Hebrew to the Hebrews and they talked some Arabic, uh, Aramaic to, to Daniel and, and they, they even talked some Greek to the New Testament Christians. And so uh, they talk in these different languages. They can communicate and communicate well. <clears throat> they interpret visions and so when Daniel was struggling with these visions that God gave him that he received from the Lord, here come Gabriel. Well, let me tell you about them. Let me interpret them for you. Let me explain how all of this is panning out. And so they're, they're highly intelligent. They can interpret visions. <clears throat> Furthermore, they, they sit in heavenly council. They sit in heavenly council. Uh, Psalm 89, verses 5 through 7 tells us, Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in, for who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among <clears throat> the heavenly beings is like the Lord, a God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones? and awesome above all who are around him. And so they sit in the counsel of the Lord. They put, they give input, right? They, God says, here's this thing, and they kind of, they just give input. They pour in input, and, and they talk about it and discuss it, and they help make some decisions and, and that sort of thing uh, in this heavenly council. We see that in, in Job even as, 
uh, we, we get the picture of heaven and, and it talks about the, the sons of God who are there and they're in council and here comes Satan coming in and so we see that these heavenly beings and counsel with the Lord. Now we need to of course understand here that God doesn't need an angelic counsel. He doesn't need their input in order to make a decision. He's not like say our worldly leaders like the president. He's got his counsel that come and, and they give him all kinds of information that kind of help him make a good decision. I kind of surround myself with good people and and when I have an issue come up I hey what do you think about this what do you think about that and people put give input and, and I need that because I'm a human being God doesn't need that but in his providence and, and the way he created things he he graciously allows these angels and uh, he, he I mean he created with them them with the intelligence right and so now he's created them and he's put them in this place and he allows them to be involved in the uh, organization of the universe and and uh, the governance of the universe he allows them to have input and and talk about these things uh, just in his grace and we think about that even ourselves like God doesn't need us to accomplish his will on this earth but he is gracious to allow us to get involved in his plan of redemption and to be at work and you know carrying out his will in, <clears throat> excuse me in the world and so that's just that's the way God is but he has created these highly intelligent heavenly beings to to be there and, and some of them even sit on these councils in heaven and discuss the thing the ways of the universe so they're highly intelligent, but we need to understand while they are highly, highly intelligent, uh, they are not omniscient. They are absolutely not omniscient. God is omniscient. God knows everything. He knows everything. There's nothing that we can hide from God because God knows everything. He knows every thought that goes across our mind. He knows everything that we do. If we, we do, we think we do things in secrets. Mm -mm, no, God knows because God is omniscient. Angels are not like that, though. Angels are not omniscient. They have limited, limited knowledge. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. <clears throat> Excuse me. But concerning that day and hour, talking about the the, the day when the Lord returns and makes all things new and establishes his eternal earthly kingdom. Concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Uh, now, of course, he includes himself in that, the Son. Uh, I think that was in his earthly human existence that Jesus didn't know the day and hour. I think now that he's in heaven with the Lord, uh, with the Father, he, he knows that. Uh, he, Jesus himself is omniscient, but when he was here on this earth, in human, well, he's always in human form from this point on, but uh, when he was on this earth, he limited, he allowed his divine powers to be limited. Of course, he wasn't omniscient and omnipresent and all that while he was here on earth. That was limited to some degree. And so at that time, he didn't know. I think now he knows. 
But you see here the angels, and that's our focus tonight, not even the angels know the day or the hour. Uh, God hasn't revealed that to them. So their, their, their knowledge is obviously limited. Scripture also shows us that they have a growing knowledge. They have a growing knowledge, so they learn just like we learn. Right? Their knowledge develops over time, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So here's something they haven't known, but now the manifold wisdom of God, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to these rulers and authorities. So there was, it some, there was something they didn't know. Now in the church age, because God's plan has unfolded, now they know. And, and so they have this growing knowledge. And so angels, they, they, they're not omniscient, but they learn things. They learn things over time. They learn things as God reveals it to them, just like us. As God reveals his, himself to us over time, and God reveals things to the angels, and so they have a growing knowledge. Now, this is going to remember this, especially when we talk about Satan and demons, because Satan and demons are angelic beings who have fallen. That means Satan and the demons, they're not omniscient. They don't know every thought. Not like God knows every thought. So uh, angels are not omniscient. They don't know everything. Uh, they are highly intelligent, but they are not omniscient. So angels are highly intelligent beings, yet not, but they are not uh, all knowing, which means they don't know the future unless God has revealed it to them. And they cannot know your inner thoughts unless God reveals those to them. Questions at this point? Either I'm doing really good or y'all are just bored. I don't know which. What's the deal here? Enjoying it. Enjoying it. All right. All right. So they're highly intelligent. Let's, uh, angels are created beings, they're spiritual beings, they're moral beings, they're highly intelligent beings. Number five, angels are. Also, extremely powerful beings. They are extremely powerful beings. Uh, they are. They have supernatural power, right? They are, have supernatural power, but they're not omnipotent. They have supernatural power, but they are not omnipotent. Second Peter chapter two verse eleven states. That they are greater, angels are greater in might and power than human beings. And in Psalms 103, verse 20, uh, that, that psalm calls them the mighty ones of the mighty ones who do God's word. They're the mighty ones who do God's word. So they are they're mighty, supernatural uh, in power. They're, they're mighty beings that are supernatural in power, yet. They are not omnipotent. Psalm 89, verse 8, makes this clear with this rhetorical question. Oh, Lord of hosts, who is mighty as you are? 
O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? And the answer to that is no one, right? Who is as mighty as you are, Lord? In all the heavenly hosts, who is as mighty as you are? No one is. There's no one more powerful than God. See, angels, they are they have supernatural power. We think about superheroes, right? Superheroes have supernatural power, supernatural strength. They can do these amazing things. But they're not omnipotent. They're not all powerful. Well, angels, they have this supernatural strength, supernatural ability, supernatural power that's given to them by the Lord, but they can't be stronger than their creator. And so they are not omnipotent. They are supernatural in power. I'm not going up against one. Right? We're, we're, we can't go up against them. In fact, Scripture tells us that for a little while we have made, uh, been made lesser than the angels, right? Uh, we are smaller than the angels. We are below the angels. Now, one day... When Christ returns and makes all things new and sets up his eternal kingdom, Scripture tells us that we'll actually judge angels and we'll rule over angels. But now for a while, we're made lower than the angels. Uh, and so they have supernatural power and uh, they, can, they can whoop us, right? They can beat us up and, and do whatever they want to as far as, as that, those things go. They are supernatural in power, but they are not omnipotent. Only God is omnipotent. Uh, furthermore, they're supernatural. They have supernatural mobility. They have supernatural ability. Uh, they can. That, that means they can, they can go here and yonder and like that, right? They they've got this ability to go and do all kinds of things. We see Scripture telling us that the that they can ascend and descend, ascend to and descend from heaven. Uh, talk about Jacob's ladder in Genesis chapter twenty-eight, verse twelve. Jacob says he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So here's these heavenly creatures moving back and forth from earth to heaven. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 51, Jesus tells Nathanael, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Uh, so uh, they are, they're supernatural immobility. They can get from here to heaven in almost no time flat. Uh, but that does not mean that they are omnipresent. Uh, um, uh, Gotta get my omnis right. They're not omnipresent. They're not everywhere at one time. They, they can't be here and across the street both at the same time. God is omnipresent. God is here. He's at my home. He's uh, across the world. I mean, he, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. He's at the ends of the universe just as well as, as he is in this room. So God is omnipresent, but the angels are not omnipresent. They are not omnipresent. They can only feel one spot uh, in creation at a time. And so they are not omnipresent. They can get here yonder fast, but they, they, they can't be here yonder at the same time. Uh, we see this, of course, that they are limited in their mobility. And, and uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 through 14, the angel Gabriel said, 
to Daniel that, that uh, as Daniel prays this prayer to the Lord, uh, Gabriel finally gets there and Gabriel tells him that, hey, I was sent out. When you started praying, the Lord sent me out with a message, but the prince of Persia held me up for 21 days until Michael the archangel came and he kind of freed me up and allowed me to get on my journey. And, and so here's this angel Gabriel. God sent him out like that. Go, go tell Daniel. Give Daniel this message. And, and the angel Gabriel, he, he takes off, but he gets held up. He doesn't just appear to Daniel. He, he has to travel. He has to get there. It's not just beam me up Scotty type movement. He's got to move and he's got to get through space and time to actually get to where he needs to go. And so uh, they are limited in their mobility. They are supernatural beings. They are extremely powerful. They have supernatural power. They have supernatural mobility, but they are not omnipotent and they are not omnipresent. And as we've already seen, they're not omniscient. They are not like God. So angels are, are extremely powerful, but they are limited in their power and, and in their presence. Questions on this? They are eternal spirits. They are eternal from the point that they were created. Yes. The fallen ones will be, but they'll still be cast in hell for eternity. So absolutely. On the other side of that. We can't destroy them, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Like us, they are, they are eternal from the, the standpoint of uh, once they were created, they'll not cease to exist. And yes, those who obey the Lord will continue to obey the Lord in heaven and then the new heavens and the new earth and we'll rule over those. And then the evil angels, the fallen angels, of course, will be judged just like fallen mankind will be judged for eternity. So, yeah, very good. Anything, anybody else? In Daniel, um, <clears throat> you're talking about um, Gabriel <clears throat> being sent and Michael having to intercede for him. Uh, when, when you read Daniel 10, he doesn't actually name him as as Gabriel. He says he saw a man. And when you first read the description, it's it's almost like the description that John saw in the first chapter of Revelation. Because both of them fell <coughs> as if they were dead and then they were touched. But then when you see that Michael had to come and mm -hmm. and help this angel that would eliminate the possibility that this was the pre-incarnate Christ. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, the, I think the pre-incarnate Christ appears in Daniel, but yeah. not there. But no, not there. Not there. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that because, uh, well, again, I, I said this last week, but I didn't tell it. A lot of y'all weren't here. So uh, this study is going to be six weeks. And uh, that's how I have it planned, at least at this point, six weeks. So this week we're talking about what angels are. Next week we're going to talk about what angels do. And then we're going to talk about a special angel, the angel of the Lord, and who he is. And
and that we'll get into what Rodney's kind of touching on right now. And then we'll turn the page and talk about demons. So what they are, uh, yeah, what they are, what they do, and then of course the special demon. Uh, we're going to talk about Satan himself. So we'll, we'll get into those along the way. Yeah. Any other questions? All right. So they are extremely powerful. Angels are extremely powerful beings. And number six here, angels are highly organized beings. They are highly organized beings. Uh, and we see this. Again, throughout Scripture, we, we see kind of order to these heavenly hosts. Uh, they are organized, first of all, and, and these are my kind of thoughts on it. So, uh, But they're organized by position. They're organized by position. So we see uh, the only one that we, we see a, a kind of a title to is in Scripture is Michael. And Michael is called the archangel or the the head angel, right? The, the ruling, the prince of angels, something like that, according to what version of the Bible you have. But uh, Michael is called the archangel. So he, he has this position of authority among the angels. And so there, there seems to be. Now, we don't have a detailed structure of angel hierarchy, but there seems to be. Ben's that Michael is the archangel. Uh, it seems like that that there's this kind of hierarchy of organization within the angels and, and how they operate. So there's a, they're organized by position. They're also organized by function. They're organized by function, how they function, what they do, what they do. So uh, several times in Paul's writings, Paul often refers to angels in terms of rulers, authorities, powers, and dominions. Rulers, authorities, and powers, and dominions. So uh, just that kind of, th those titles kind of lead this idea that they, they have different function. They have different function. And we're, we are going to see that some with, because we know that there are certain beings, certain angels, who their function is primarily to conduct worship in the throne room of God. We read about those, the cherubim and the, the seraphim, uh, or the, the seraphim and the uh, living creatures in heaven. So uh, there, there are, the angels have these different functions and they seem to be organized according to their function. Uh, furthermore, they're organized by kind. By kind. There are different kinds of angels. And, and we see this. Of course, we've, we've talked about the three that are mainly revealed in Scripture. We have cherubim, seraphim, and the living creatures. And so there's, there's a little bit of difference between those. They're, they're described differently. They're explained differently. So they are kind of organized by their kind. So there's this order to angels and the angelic beings. So as God is a, a God of order, right? God is not a God of chaos, but a God of order. And as God is a God of order, he created the angels with order. They are organized. They're highly organized and ordered by position, function, and kind. And maybe many other ways, but those are three ways that uh, I've just kind of observed as I've been studying this. So they are highly organized beings. What does that tell us about us? 
I heard giggles. <laughs> well, I told Lamar that I was spiritual, creative, moral, intelligent, powerful, that must mean I'm an angel. And then the last one, it just threw me out. <laughs> <laughs> Three out of the run, huh? <laughs> That's great. Not all of us are organized, right? But uh, at least it tells us that in the church, and Paul tells us this, First Corinthians, he, he tells us this straight out. But even how we see God ordering the angels as God's people, we should have an order. Church is not about this chaotic thing, uh, free run and that, that sort of thing, but, but there should be order within the church. Uh, we see it in culture. There should be order in government and society. We should see order because... That's how God operates. He is a God of order, not a God of chaos. And so if we're going to pursue God and follow God's direction, then we should always be ordered in the way we operate. That doesn't mean we're all organized. <laughs> but as we, we come, especially in governments, the governance of the church, uh, and how we do things, how we operate, how we worship, Right, even how we worship, that should be ordered. It's not a chaotic function when we see worship in heaven. It's not chaotic. It's not everybody just doing whatever they want to do. Now, there's an order to how they worship the Lord, and so uh, as a church, we should have that kind of organization, that order uh, that goes along with it. It, it. Sometimes it does get a little chaotic because we're human beings. Uh, but we should always strive for order. Now, again, that doesn't mean it has to be boring. Because sometimes people think, order, okay, well, we got to be really boring. It's got to be very so super structured that it's just boring. Right? It, that's not it either. Uh, so we don't want to be boring. Worshiping God should never be boring. Doing the Lord's work should never be boring. Uh, but it should be ordered organized and not chaotic so just find that balance so angels are created beings with moral judgment and high intelligence and great power who glorify God and accomplish his will and we'll talk more about that last portion of that definition next week but right now are there any questions Questions, comments, or otherwise? Has anybody ever asked the question how many angels That's a good question. It is a good question. Uh, scripture does not tell us how many, but it does say <clears throat> in Revelation... Chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 11. We, again, we're getting this heavenly, the, the vision of this, the heavenly throne room. And we've already had some worship going on. And they've been talking about uh, there's this scroll, who can open it? And then Jesus appears, hey, he's the one who can open the scroll. And verse 11, verse, chapter 5, verse 11, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels 
numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Uh, so there are myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands of angels. That's the closest that we get to a number. In other words, John says, there was more than I could possibly ever count. There's a bunch of those things, right? There's a bunch of those folks up there worshiping the Lord. So uh, it's a large amount of angels, a large amount of angels. And, and we'll talk then when we get to demons, how many demons are there? And so we'll, we'll talk and give that answer. Uh, when we get to, to demons, but there are myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. Good question. Any other questions or thoughts? Anything tonight that you're like, oh, I didn't realize that. Can I ask your opinion on this? Sure. Genesis 6, verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Now, is there a theory that these sons of God were fallen angels? Yes, there is a theory. That those were fallen angels. And the offspring um, were giants in the lake. Mm -hmm. That's a theory. Uh, I don't follow that theory. <laughs> but there is that theory. And, and there are some good theologians out there who argue that. Of course, the problem is that Jesus says they, they neither marry or are given in marriage. Which indicates that they don't procreate. right? They, they don't operate like we do. Uh, they're not male and female like we are, and so they, they don't have that, and so they, they can't. Uh, when you read Genesis, and you talk about the sons of God, and the, the what was it, how's it phrased there, let me say, what verse was that again? One, one of those what I read Genesis 6. So when the uh, sons of God saw the daughters of man uh, were attracted. So the sons of God, when you start reading Genesis and, and you think about the, the line of, of Adam to uh, uh, Seth to Noah, it, it follows that line all the way to Noah and then right on up to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, so you have that line who are often referred to sons of God. It, it's that holy line that's referred to and, and oftentimes thought of as the sons of God. They're not angels, but they are God's chosen people to, who would bring about the Messiah. And so I believe what that's referring to is the sons of Seth. Right? The sons of Seth, because that was the one... Abel, Cain killed Abel, and then there was another, Seth, and Seth was, from Seth came Noah, Abraham, on down the line. And so the sons of Seth saw the daughters of the earth, that is, the sons and the daughters of Cain, and they began to intermarry. Even Christians, God says, hey, what, what, 
what does darkness have to do with light? You shouldn't, we, we, Christians shouldn't marry non-Christians because that, that don't mix. Oil and water doesn't mix. And, and, but yet we see even in Genesis that taking place. The sons of God, the sons of Seth, are marrying the daughters of Cain and giving into all kinds of chaos and debauchery and, and that sort of thing. So that's my that's my theory on it. Very good. I was hoping that question would come up. There's a lot when you talk about angels. There's a lot that, that you could throw in here and, and it would lead to a, like a 15 week study. I'm trying to keep it down to six. But if you ask the right questions, we'll cover a lot of it along the way anyway. So, very good. Anything else? One, one question. Angel described as extremely powerful being with supernatural powers. Fallen angels retain the same amount of power they have before they fail. Do they retain the same amount? I, I don't, I can't answer that one. The scripture doesn't say. But they are, they have, they are supernatural. They are supernatural. Yes, they do have supernatural power. Of course, God limits all that power. So uh, it's all in God's control of how much or how little power they have. But uh, yes, uh, obviously when we even get into the New Testament and we see demons possessing people and the people uh, you know just having this superhuman strength the the um, demonic from Gerizim for example he couldn't be bound you couldn't put chains on him because he'd break the chains he had supernatural strength and he got that strength from being possessed by, by demons so uh, they they do have supernatural strength. Very good. Different kinds of demons. Testy little creatures. Anything else? Go, that goes back to Job. When God allowed Satan to do what happened to Job. But God, correct me if I'm wrong, God allowed Satan to enter heaven mm -hmm. am I right yeah and showed Satan you know Job mm -hmm. yeah. how blessed he was right yeah I mean demons Satan and demons apparently still enter heaven they still have access to heaven um, that's why I think my theory again but that's why I think that there has to be a new heaven because now heaven has been stained by evil. And so it's got to be refreshed. It's got to be purified. So there's going to be a new heaven. All right. Great questions. Thank y'all so much.